Koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. This is Koinonia Radio, ladies and gentlemen. You are tuned in to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. Connecting faith and life is what we do, by God's grace. Every single day here on Koinonia, Monday through Friday, we come at you at 2 o'clock. If you're listening, you're listening. Maybe you're in your car. Maybe you're going to get to a place where you're not going to be in your car anymore. Well, let me give you a quick tip. You can still listen to the show at faithtalk1360.com. Listen to Koinonia Radio at faithtalk1360.com. Or today's topic, which should interest you, you want someone to hear it who doesn't live here, eh, tell them how to find us, faithtalk1360.com. And afterwards, the downloads are always available at soundcloud.com forward slash koinonia, that's K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A dash radio, koinonia radio. Tom Brown is the normal host here. Today, though, he's got a sub. I'm the substitute. My name is Vocab Malone. Do a radio show called Urban Theologian Radio and have been involved with Christian hip-hop for a number of years here in the Valley and other places. And now I'm involved in apologetics. That's defending the gospel of Jesus Christ against attacks, as well as explaining and clarifying it to those who are not yet in the faith. Something like that. 1 Peter 3.15, Colossians 4.5.6 are great passages to understand more of the ministry of apologetics. Well, whenever I'm on, I love to hit issues relating to pop culture, so nerd stuff and how that relates to theology. That's one key thing I do when I fill in on Koinonia. Another one are apologetic issues that are peculiar or specific to our cities, sometimes specifically things that affect our family that are black or brown in the cities, okay? And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about something called the conscious movement, taking the internet by storm. To do that, I've got a very special guest, my main man, LaRon G. What's going on, LaRon? How you doing? What's going on? How you doing? Peace and blessings, vocab. People might be able to tell from your Midwestern draw, you're from the Midwest. What city do you hail from? St. Louis, Missouri. You guys got something called country grammar out there? You know it. What's country? <laughs> What's country grammar? What is that to those who don't know? A little bit of, of, of Midwest regional and, and down south. And, you know, we say things like right uh, over there or over there and different types of that slur and slang that we get a little <laughs> bit. That's all right. We like it. And uh, check it out. You have been involved with apologetics in an urban context for a minute. Tell people quickly about yourself. You've got a, just a few minutes, but I want to hear your bio real quick. Okay. Uh, uh, first off, uh, I'm 35 years old. Um, well, about to be 35. Um, I've been a Christian now for 12 years. Um, you know, um, I started off a black Hebrew Israelite and, um, you know, I'm married, uh, three kids, um, St. Louis, Missouri, and I've started off dealing with uh, apologetics, you know, um, a time so ago and ran into vocab and ran into a couple of other people and um, 
you know, James White and uh, A.O. Green, and these guys been helping me a little bit, you know. Um, and so, you know, just to say that briefly, you know, um, it's a pleasure to be here with you, Vocab. No I'm not the greatest speaker. But I, you know, can come across well, and I, I thank you guys for working with me. Well, to help you're me pretty do prolific and pretty busy on the internet, and you, as a Christian, a disciple of Christ, regularly interact with a group of people who identify themselves as members of something called the Conscious Community. It is not a gospel-based community. In fact, it's basically a, 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 it's a, almost like a false gospel. But we're going to explain that to the listeners when we come back. Vocab alone, talking to LeBron G about the Conscious Community, and we're going to compare and contrast it to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here on Koinonia Radio, this is a special broadcast. Welcome back to Koinonia Radio, 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. My name is Vocab Malone. Today I'm filling in for your boy, your boy, your boy, Tom Brown. What's up, Tom Brown? Uh, check it out. Today we're doing a special broadcast talking about something that's coming up in our cities that you probably have not heard about before. So if you like mysteries, if you like new adventures, listen to today's show. We're going to be talking about something called the Conscious community, the conscious community. It might be described shorthand as folks uh, usually of African origin who live in the Western Hemisphere now, embracing aspects of African spirituality. In fact, let me briefly read from an article from the Indianapolis Recorder newspaper from 2014, dateline November 13th, by Ebony Chapel. Let me read the first couple paragraphs before I bring up today's guest. Quote, the transatlantic slave trade, which persisted from the 16th to 19th centuries, separated millions of people of African descent from not only their ancestral homeland, but also from their native languages, beliefs, and way of life. For many black people living in America, the result has been an incessant yearning for knowledge of that distant past, the feeling of being seemingly isolated or even alien in the land you presently call home has been referred to by scholars as a cultural identity crisis. In his book, The Souls of Black Folk, W.E.B. Du Bois referred to the phenomenon as double consciousness. Recently, African-Americans have ushered in a cyclical cultural movement reminiscent of both pan-Africanism We'll define that later, ladies and gentlemen. And black power movements of yesteryear that embraces a more Afrocentric, we'll also define that, approach to health, cuisine, hair care, and even spirituality. The growth of traditional African spiritual systems has grown exponentially among African Americans over the past 50 years, beginning in densely populated areas such as the East Coast before moving west today's guest is lebron g lebron g you're a brother faithful fighting for the truth out there on the internet and sometimes in the streets in a sense tell people uh the christian commentary on that article i just read maybe even defining some of those terms such as conscious afrocentric pan-africanism help us understand what we're looking at lebron g Okay, thank you, brother. Uh, well, uh, conscious basically deals with aware and one responding to one's surroundings or to be or to be awake, having knowledge of something or aware, basically. So if someone so, says they're conscious, they're part of the conscious community, they're decidedly saying, I am awake, as opposed to people who are not awake. Right. All right. What are they awake to and what do they awake from? 
um, they basically awakened out of the Christian perspective of what they call Eurocentrism. What is the conscious view of Christianity by and large? Um, basically, um, westernized African perception or African spirituality, so they westernized of what they call Eurocentric. So what's Eurocentrism mean? Uh, Eurocentrism is the practice of viewing the worldview from a European or generally Western perspective and implied belief in the pre-image of Western culture. So basically, they're generally saying, these are the folks in the conscious community, Christianity is a white man's religion, and it's uh, for them, by them, not really for us. Let me read another thing. This is from a book, actually, that it was way ahead of its time. It's called How Black is the Gospel by my main man, Tom Skinner. He's went to be with the Lord since then, written back in 1970. And listen to this. This is from page 13. Now, this is frank. It may be hard for you to hear, but you've got to understand the perspective we're dealing with. Let me read this paragraph. Black America is not about to follow a white Christ. The image of a Christ patterned after Salmon's portrait is more than suspect. It has become a contemptuous symbol to the black man of all the fakery and chicanery endorsed by so many white Christians. If Christ takes on the image of an Anglo-Saxon Protestant suburbanite, he's obviously not for black men. It is inconceivable that this kind of Christ would die for black people. Comment on that in relationship to what we're talking about, LeBron G. Right. Okay. So, so, so basically... Well, we see. Uh, uh, matter of fact, uh, vocab. If you can repeat that again, I'm sorry. Repeat that again. Well, let me read the next paragraph. I think that'll be helpful. Let me just read the next one because it basically says some of the same stuff differently. The question is, of course, whether this view of Jesus Christ is true. Has Christianity become the quote worship of white, used as a tool of oppression to increase the black man's burden? If this be true, it is understandable that the black man must find his salvation through worshiping black. So what Tom Skinner is doing there, he's not saying he agrees. Tom Skinner was an evangelical Christian who worked a lot with different campus ministries in the 70s. He came up from Harlem. In fact, there's a comic book based upon his testimony. He was leader of a Harlem street gang. The Lord got a hold of him, and he really wanted to explain to his mainstream evangelical brethren the plight in the cities that they really just didn't understand. So he's using blunt, plain language to describe the average perspective of somebody in lockdown kind of in the cities, the way the cities were, especially during that time, especially Harlem and New York during this time. And he's saying, look, this is the perspective. We've got to do something about it because he's saying this is an incorrect perspective. That's from his book, How Black is the Gospel?, so I guess I'm just getting at this this idea of what the common perception of Christianity is among the conscious community, which even uh, black folk who aren't co- conscious, so-called, may share that perspective. And we're just sh- kind of showing that that's where some of this growth and this movement comes from. And uh, the article I read from the Indian National Recorder even actually says that. It goes on to talk about a pastor who, uh, who um, says that you know a lot of people leave Christianity because they find something that doesn't jibe with basically them being black, and a lot of times they turn to these other things, such as so-called embracing African spirituality and becoming so-called conscious. Do you right. see a growth in the conscious community online and in St. Louis? Well, actually, there's there's not a growth in it at all. Um, 
it basically takes people back to, um, you know, racism, uh, prejudice. Um, I think that what took place was you have to where people, the Eurocentrism have presented a, uh, uh, as being slave masters. And then the very verse that says, obey your slave masters, that very verse has caused a lot of African-Americans to stumble to where they don't want to worship a uh, European God of who, uh, of a people who basically enslaved them. So basically because of the abuse of the scripture by people who really for greedy, greedy gain, were willing to pay for kidnapping and allow all kinds of other things to happen in the process, uh, least, uh, <laughs> least of all, which is not murder, that's included in the mix, but also along the way, rape, breaking up of families, um, adultery, because you would have slave masters sleeping with other men's wives, fornication, you just go down the list, fatherlessness, because they would have uh, black studs who would sire multiple children but weren't allowed to father them. All kinds of just horrible sin associated with this. And remember, Scripture says that kidnappers are on an equal level with murderers. And this is Old and New Testament. The death penalty for kidnapping in the Old Testament was uh, the death penalty was the was the prescribed penalty for kidnapping in the OT. And Paul speaks about it to Timothy as well. So this horrible thing uh, gets misused in a Christian context. And so people look back on that and they say, well, why would I want to be associated with that? So they turn to this conscious community. And what I was asking earlier is, do you see it growing numerically though? Cause it seems oh, like to oh, me it's oh, yes. growing. It's, it's de- yes. It's definitely growing. It's an overall picture because even now we have things that's going on in America um, with how uh, minorities are treated or, Blacks are treated or uh, Mexicans are treated or anybody black and brown, basically. So what people tend to do is is go back to um, the African spirituality, but there is no morality or no code or no structure there. And we're finding out that they're leaving the Bible for us morally and they're going back to start doing Anything that they did before, which things they was delivered out of from, you know, drug use, um, you know, um, uh, substance abuse, all of those different things are going on within the black community because they don't feel obligated no more to deal with a biblical God or a Christianity God. Right. So what are the basic tenets of the conscious community. If someone says I'm I'm conscious, what are some of the things they probably believe? Um, it's going to go back to basically uh, Kemet or what we call Egypt. Um, the ancient perspectives are aspects of the Egyptian gods. Because um, I think you stated before, when you have a culture of people that's been stripped from their inheritance or stripped from their ideologies or their culture then they have to grasp on to something that's great. And I think that uh, mainly they grasped on to Kemet or Egypt because they see that the uh, ancestors was dealing with some things that was in that area. And I don't know how they grasped on to just Egypt when you have in Africa over hundreds of different cultures of people and not just those who are dealing with Kemet in Egypt. Right, so Kemet... It's said to be an ancient name for the land that we call Egypt. 
And so sometimes you might hear these people refer to themselves as Kemet's or Kemetic in their belief system. Sometimes they're called Egyptologists, but that can be a bit confusing because there's actually a archaeological and, and historical discipline that goes under that same title. So sometimes you'll hook him, commit or comedic. That's sort of one of the key or main strands within the conscious community, but the conscious community probably is larger than that. But I feel like you would put the comedic cats under the umbrella now, there's a few other things I want to make sure we define. Um, there is something that we, we, we read in the article that said Afrocentric. For those who don't know, what does it mean if you're Afrocentric? Um, it's a cultural ideology of worldwide, mostly limited to the United States, that focuses on the history of black Africans. It is a response to global Eurocentric or Orientalist attitudes about African people and their historical contributions and revisits, revisits their history with an African cultural ideological, ideological focus. So basically it is a, uh, a result of Eurocentrism and, and basically putting Afrocentrism or African people back, uh, sending, sending them back to a African spirituality because they believe that they're um, ideologies predate the Eurocentric ideology. Right. So they would say, of course, that it's the foundation even for the Old Testament scriptures themselves, basically claiming the Bible is a ripoff from Egyptian wisdom. When we come back, I'm going to be talking again to LeBron G. This is Vocab Malone filling up Tom Brown and Quinania. We're going to be discussing how does the Christian respond to the claims of the conscious community that is growing. You will hear on the other side of the break. Yo, 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 this is Koinonia Radio. You can probably tell already, I am not Tom Brown, your normal host. I am Vocab Malone, urban apologist, doing apologetics, that is, answering objections to Christianity and sharing the gospel in a relevant and clear way by God's grace. That's how I would, one of my definitions for apologetics. And in a culture that continually is becoming secularized or disbelieving, apologetics becomes all the more important because there's less and less things that we sort of have in common as a part of a shared cultural narrative. And that's not just in the mainstream. That's also in lesser known areas of the culture, including a subcultural movement called the conscious movement or the conscious community. We've been discussing that today because many of their claims that these men and women make are against Scripture in many ways. And so we want to answer some of those objections as you get introduced to this new, newer movement. And to do that, I've got a friend on the line named Laron G. Halen from St. Louis. How you doing, Laron G.? What's going on, peace, vocab? All right. Well, before we answer a few objections, you mentioned a few books that could be helpful for people if they're interested in some of what we're talking about. I want to give a few of those out now. You mentioned an author named David Roll. What yes, are some David of his Roll, books? Go ahead. Um, it's called The Legend, The Genesis of Civilization. How's that helpful? What's the point of that one? Um, it basically deals with how the biblical text confirms that we came, uh, the civilization started in the Middle East or in Mesopotamia. Which is and, different than um, the standard evolutionary model? Right, and also the Afrocentrism model, model that says that 
everything started from Africa. All right. Another book you mentioned was A Test of Time. What about yes, that a one? A Test of Time uh, by David Rowe just as well helps you deal with the chronology, the, uh, the conventional cr- chronology that's put forth to help, uh, well, to, that actually kind of like debunks the Bible, um, AC and BC dates that were put forth to help us to understand the past. And this book is great on bringing the biblical perspective and historical value uh, to the Bible, back to the Bible, to the people, basically. And and uh, I think that it's a great book. It, it deals with the patterns of evidence of the ex- Exodus, uh, historical uh, Hittites, and different historical things that we can find in Egyptian uh, monuments and archaeology, and also as well as in the Levant area. Uh, define quickly Levant. I know what that is, but for someone who's not trafficking this, that may be a strange term. What's Levant? Basically, the area that we call today Israel, or Palestine, um, all the way up to you get to uh, Armenia, or Syria, and those areas down to you get to um, could be also with the, with the uh, Nile Valley. I mean, with the um, Egypt just as well. So the Levant area, Israel, basically modern Israel that we see today. So there's a movie, a documentary that's actually on Netflix right now called Patterns of Evidence. Exodus, it made by Tim Mahoney, and it features heavily David Roll. Let me play a part of the trailer for the Patterns whole thing, of Evidence. From the beginning of the sojourn in, in, in Egypt, the slavery, Moses and the Exodus, the conquest of the Promised Land, is all there in one nice, neat line, but it's way too early. He's talking about Egyptian I don't chronology. There was a single event that we can call the Exodus. This person can't have seen all this. He imagined it. I'm very much against chronological revisionism. There is nothing else like this in the whole of Egyptian history. Nothing at all. When you put those cities side by side, the biblical account and the archaeology match extremely well. So far, there is no documented evidence about the Exodus. Exodus did not happen in the way that it is described in the text. How can we prove that? You look for a collapse in Egyptian civilization, and that's where you'll find Moses and the Exodus. If we can prove there even was an Exodus. So that's the beginning of the trailer. Let me stop it there. I'm not going to play the whole thing. But that gives you somewhat of an idea of a documentary that is on Netflix right now that I think is pretty helpful about some of what we're talking about. Now, why why are we talking about uh, proving the Exodus and some of the things from the Bible in relationship to people who are currently embracing African spirituality and call themselves conscious. What's the connection in those two issues, Laurent G? Okay, that is the very thing what you're going to get attacked on is, first of all, your dating mechanism that you're using. And, um, you know, because most of historians um, or archaeologists find no evidence um, that we see this dealing with the biblical history. But there is evidence. It's just that the chronology and how they're digging and searching is in the wrong place. So if the Egyptian chronology, the sort of standard model that's current, is revised, then the biblical record fits perfectly. But the standard mainstream Egyptian chronology as it generally current exists 
uh, that's where you get the mismatch from. And so folks that are part of the conscious community, remember, it's sort of a back to African spirituality awakening. And there's a heavy emphasis and focus is a focus on e- Egypt and Egyptian lore and, and, and technical acumen and even religion. The folks who are embracing that as a corollary attack the Bible specifically in relationship to Israel being in Egypt and the Israel coming out of Egypt. And so that's the connection. So ultimately, we're talking about the conscious community. One of the key things they do is attack Christianity, specifically the Old Testament. And you can imagine why. If you're going to be embracing Egypt as a model of morality and all these other things, you look to the pages of the Old Testament and you see Egypt as a an enslaver and a primary uh, arch rival in lots of ways throughout Israelite history. And so you attack it really from a secular perspective. And Laurent G., real quick, I want to pause here. Are a lot of these people actually atheists? Because it seems like I meet, meet quite a few, and we're talking about all this stuff, but they end up actually being atheistic in their worldview. What's the right, deal with right, that? Because, because it's not actually they're dealing with African spirituality. They actually are ashamed of African spirituality. So what they do is they pick up a evolutionist standpoint and and, uh, and and bring it from that perspective instead of dealing with really what African spirituality is. So a lot of them are atheists, and they're not even dealing with the homeland gods. And these people are shown or looked or looked upon to be ashamed upon by the African people that's actually in the land. And so they use Egypt to try to show that part of the African continent had a precursor to the modern world. So modern science and all these other fields, they try to say, look, it really goes back to Egypt. That's the foundation. And uh, hey, you guys have been ripping off everything. So it's really a sec. It's a mixture between sort of a secularizing movement along with an Afrocentric model that we spoke about earlier. And it's generally labeled as conscious or if you're going to be more specific, Egyptologists or even more specific, Kemetic or people who call themselves Kemets. Uh, is that a basic summary of what we've talked about so far? Right, definitely. All right, with that, uh, let me, go let ahead. Let me give you a prime example. Okay, good. Um, um, for instance, like you have with the chronology, you have uh, Ramesses II. And he's mentioned in the Bible, where well, his city is mentioned in the Bible to be uh, uh, the children of Israel built uh, Pithon and Ramesses. Well, the problem there is that with the conventional chronology, Ramesses is during the reign of 1279 to 1213 B.C., the 19th dynasty. And by and the way, conquest, everyone, the Ten Commandments movie follows the chronology Laurent talking about, the old one with Charlton Heston. Uh, and by the way, Charlton Heston probably didn't look like Moses, or Moses probably didn't look like that. Maybe except for the beard, but other than that, probably looked a little darker, for example. But follows that model in the movie, correct? Right. All right. And 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 his 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 reign was a reign that couldn't have possibly that Moses came up out of Egypt due to the fact of he had a uh, a, a great reign. Sadie the first, Ramesses the second, and Meriphtah his son. So we look at the problem there, and we, you know, the chronology has based it on because we see Ramesses there in the Bible, which is an anachronism, which is just saying that at that time that redactor was calling that city Ramesses, who, the writer of that time, the copyist at that time. It was that's what it would have been known to be at his time. But the real city name was 
Gushan or either Avaris. So, you, so well, that, let me explain. Let me try to explain what's just been said. Saying that at the time the Bible is in its final form as far as the Torah, that's uh, specifically talking about now Exodus, that book, that the writer is referring to the city by its current name at that time. But prior to that, it would have had a different name, which is not that weird of a thing. Cities do change names, and you're just giving it by what the readers would know at the time. But there's a prior name of the city, correct? Right, uh. right, correct. And so that's one of the problems that we see that causes the Bible to go up under what we what, what David Rowe would say a, a test of time or scrutiny. Uh, and 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 he's an excellent author. Uh, I suggest y'all check him out. And um, you know, R O H L is the last name. Now let's talk about a different author. When we come back on the break, I'm going to play a clip from a debate featuring a man named Dr. Yosef A.A. Ben Yokanan. We'll just call him Dr. Ben for short. But I'm going to play a clip from a debate where he's speaking. Who is Dr. Ben? Why is he important? And what's he going to talk about in this clip, LeBron G? Okay. So Dr. Ben basically is a Afrocentrism. He's a, he's an Afrocentric. Okay. And, uh, he recently just passed, so, you know, he passed in 2015. Okay. So, you know, I don't want to speak uh, harsh of him. But um, let me give you a brief uh, um, history of him. He's um, Afrocentric. He's an Afrocentric. All right. Uh, he, he's a historian, an activist. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was born December the 21st, 1918, and he just died recently, 2015, in March. Uh, African American writer, as I as I said before, he's an Afrocentric scholar. Right. And he's big in the Afrocentric community or the conscious community. He's very big. The Hebrew like Israelites books. like one of his books too, called "We the Black Jews." I got that book right. at home. Man, that book's hard to read. The way it's typeset, the typesetting on that book it makes it really difficult to to see. Anyways, it's all smushed together. But okay, go ahead. Tell us about Doctor Bim. And uh, he he wrote a couple of books. Well, uh, uh, some good some some books that that actually got people hooked on, and uh, uh, African origins of major Western religions. So right then and there, you can. So see that's an example of Afrocentrism. He's saying that major Western religions actually go back to Africa. When we come back on the other side of the break, I'm going to play a clip from a debate the title of the youtube clip where the debate is is african origin in america dr yosef a.a ben yokanan this is vocab malone i'm filling in for tom brown today here on 1360 kpxq faith talk quinity radio i'm talking to a christian apologist who works out of st louis missouri he's a christian brother in the lord and he does a lot a lot to defend the gospel of Jesus Christ online, such as in places like Google Hangouts and even on Facebook. And his name is Laron G. And I'm going to be talking to him on the other side of the break again. This is Vocab Malone. You were listening to Quinny Radio. I'm filling in for the normal host, Tom Brown. I don't know. Is Tom Brown really that normal? Hmm. I don't know. That's a that's a good question. We'll have, to, we'll have to devote a whole show to that sometime. But we are on 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. Be sure to visit our website, faithtalk1360.com. And I don't know if you know, but in the iTunes store, there is a free app. Yeah, you can download it and listen to the show right on your phone. Uh, so good stuff there. We are talking about something you probably have not heard about before. Imagine a movement where primarily, but not only, 
young men and women in ever-increasing numbers get online, look for something besides Christianity, and they find something called consciousness. And the idea is you can get awoke. And the idea is look back to Africa, especially Egypt, sort of as the source or the fount for all things important, good, and beautiful. That's sort of a simplization, but it's basically true. When a person embraces that as an ideology, they might call themselves conscious, they might call themselves a commit, uh, they might say they're an Egyptologist, something like that. A lot of times when they do that, along with it comes a derision and a distrust in the Scripture, especially the Old Testament, but it goes for the New Testament as well, by and large. And when folks do that, it makes it more and more difficult to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to recommend a few books that I think are helpful to deal with some of the aspects of what we've been talking about today. And I want to give a real quick shout out again to the guest that we've got on the line, Laron G. I'm going to bring him up in a second. Here's a few books. The Bible Among the Myths by John Oswald. Unique Revelation or Just Ancient Literature? That's on Zondervan. That book is great. Another book called Israel in Egypt, The Evidence for the Authenticity of the Exodus Tradition. James Hoffmeyer. Uh, don't agree with everything in that book, but it's still a fantastic book. It's actually on Oxford. And then John Currid has a great book, a great book called Against the Gods, Against the Gods, and um, the subtitle to that is The Polemical Theology of the Old Testament. That's on Crossway. It came out in 2013. And it has some amazing chapters, just great stuff. In fact, uh, chapter 8, Who is I Am That I Am? Exodus 3 in the Egyptian Book of the Heavenly Cow. It's worth it just for that chapter alone. So there's some books. There's a lot more to be, to be read. But right now we're going to be talking about an author, a man of a different type of book, Afrocentric books, that is, a man named Dr. Ben Yokanan and Laron G. Who is he? We talked a little bit about that. And why is it important what he's going to say here in this debate clip we're going to play? What's the deal with it? Uh, once he's an Afrocentric, and uh, he deals with, uh, he's a historian and an activist. So in the clip that you're going to play is basically him speaking on the Almic people of Native America. So when you play the clip, you're going to see that he's saying that the Omic people was basically Africans from Africa. Right, and that's sort of a common feature in a lot of this Afrocentric model of the world is uh, they make links where there really shouldn't be links made, and you're going to hear that happen here in this clip. Now, I believe he was South African, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. I know it's... Um, I'd have to look that up, but I, there is somewhat of an accent. But bear with it and try to see what he's saying in this clip. We're going to explain it on the other side of the break, so don't get too worried. Before, before, let me point out another thing, just from the same article. I don't know if we can see this on television. But here is a picture. Tell me what this is, and why do you see this as proof of the presence of Africans in America before? That is the promise. head of an Almec. Uh, 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 and the Almecs were said to be the first of the indigenous Americans. And uh, if you look, if an Olmec walked in here, then you would believe that he had come from the middle of Africa. And there is no doubt about it that all of the writers prior to racism admitted that the Olmecs were, in fact, Africans who had come across here 
There is no doubt when uh, Pignafetto and others, the point is that Van Settema is writing and others, but Leo Weiner in 1938 at Harvard University wrote a two-volume book for which he was fired about the Africans, uh, Olmecs being Africans. And well, let me bounce this off of you, okay? You take the same statue. Mm -hmm. You say, well, okay, that's say fine, right obviously okay. black people. All right, I'll pause it right there. So, by the way, everyone, the way you spell this is O-L-M-E-C. Now, we don't go to Wikipedia for scholarly information, but if you're just getting started in this stuff, sometimes it lays out some of the basic issues helpful. There's a Wikipedia article titled Almec, Alternative Origin Speculations. That can be kind of helpful. It's just a starter to understand what he's saying here. All right, Laranji, tell us what's going on in that clip we just Okay, played. now, first off, I want to give you guys a book. Um, it's called Thieves of Civilization. Civilization. I'm sorry. Thieves of Civilization, Civilization right? Okay. And the book is a Afrocentric. It says Afrocentric attempts to appropriate the cultural heritage of Native Americans and Latino Indo Mezzos in America. It's written and edited by Gabriel um, Hislop, which is Gabriel and Hislop is spelled A. I mean H A S L I P. Vieira, which is V-I-E-R-A. That book is uh, of basically these people who are related to the Amics and keep the Amics tradition. And they are saying that um, these Afrocentrics, which are African-Americans, are stealing their culture, are, are thieves of civilizations in Native America. So they're sort of so hijacking their right. culture and attempt to... Uh, find or forge an identity is what the thesis of that book is. Okay, looks like right. Okay, and uh, so and so what we see here is that he mentions the almanac head or the almic head, and everybody have seen the almic head, and it looks like to where it is a African American, or uh, I mean, I'm sorry, African. But when you look at it and you look at the same people in this book, you'll see side by side. A, a comparison of um, the people that we see today that are in those areas that culturally still keep those traditions that look exactly like the Almic head that, okay. uh, that he's, he talked about. So basically, this is how they look. We can see their descendants today, and they're not African. Is that what you're basically saying? And then saying? traditionally, and then also signed, uh, genetically, they're mongoloids. Okay. Well, I, I know what that means, but can you explain what that means briefly? Uh, basically, you, you you know you have your um, you have your mongoloids and you have your uh, negroids and you have your uh, um, cacazoid, right? Is that how you say? It? All right, so this has to do with sort of general classifications of people uh, right. that sometimes people break down, and so basically it's a way to say folks of Asian descent. I think isn't that right. kind of really what that means? Yes. Okay, and so. Um, yeah, I mean, in the article they talk about possible Chinese origins or something like that, but they but they also make yeah the people point. from Eastern Asia, uh, Southeast Asia, or Arctic region of North America, and then you have your Caskanoids uh, or Caucasians that dwelled up in uh, either Russia, uh, part parts of North uh, Northeast Russia, or also uh, e I mean West Europe in those areas. And they and, and so those will be your uh, Caskanoids and then uh, our Caucasians that dwelt in the Caucasus Mountains, and then you have your Negroids that dwelt uh, basically in um, either in uh, Asia or either in uh, Africa, basically. Yeah, it looks like the 
the Chinese theory is not taken seriously either. But definitely the African one's not. And genetic evidence has failed to back up the claims of Afrocentric scholars like Dr. Ben. Now, we're just giving some examples of the way this ends up looking. There's a whole slew of beliefs that people embrace when they describe themselves as conscious or comedic. Uh, There's a whole slew of beliefs that they embrace, and obviously everyone is not the same in the things that they believe and how they embrace them. But we want to ask this question. Why is this important to deal with and talk about? Someone might be like, why did I turn on the radio today at 2.45 and there's these guys talking about Egyptian timelines and ancient statues? What's the relevance to these issues, Laurent G? And why is it important uh, uh, for us to talk about uh, it? They, what, what goes on is, is today we have, as you say, the conscious community. And a lot of people in uh, the black urban communities, as well as black and brown as well as you see on the East Coast, which you spoke about earlier, are being uh, taken back to this Egyptian culture or African spirituality, so to speak. And that's why you're going to see people wearing the um, uh, Egyptian uh, necklaces, uh, Egyptian unk symbols, which is the life symbols, different symbols that come up out of ancient Egypt. And there's so even a lot churches of being driven away that have embraced this. There's even churches that have embraced this uh, stuff to a pretty high degree. Right. But but you're saying it drives people away from embracing the gospel of Christ. Right. And, and, and so they, the, because we see the um, we see that the government uh, system that's working and have Eurocentrized a lot of things. And we see a lot of black people are really falling away, and also other uh, people are falling away just as well. And it's not just even amongst the black community. It's also dealing with academia uh, among the uh, Caucasian community, the European community, uh, which deals with, uh, on a higher level, which deals with the chronology and those things as we mentioned before. So this thing is being... I mean, it's a it's a worldwide thing in in every aspect. But the conscious community among the black community, I don't think that a lot of people are recognizing, as you see the Pan African movement with the red, black, and green, uh, that's going on. Where people are taking this banner and basically being prejudiced or have have a a black supremacy standpoint to to uh, rise up against or basically to contest white supremacy. So you're so saying. It's a response. negative reaction. It's a sinful response to a sinful action, and uh, it results in a different type of bigotry or prejudice. What is the Pan-African movement? What does it mean to be Pan-African? I don't think we ever defined that yet. I want to make sure we do. Um, I believe the Pan-African movement um, really kind of started from um, – it's, it, it's a political union, union, first off, of indigenous inhabitants of Africa – and basically, this movement is a worldwide intellectual movement that aims to encourage or strengthen bonds of uh, segregation between all people of African descent. Well, not well, you know, for them the segregation from other people, but mainly of them being African. So descent Marcus Garvey descent. was an example of this, and Marcus Garvey was saying basically, we're not going to get equality here. Let's go back to Africa. Hence, Pan Africanism, and sometimes right. you see that in the mix as well. Laurent G., when we come back, can you give us a tip or two about how to reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ to folks caught up in the conscious movement? We're only going to have a few minutes to do it on the other side of the break, but 
I want to make sure the people uh, hearing this have some idea, okay, how do I as a Christian help? You know, what do I do to to speak to someone if they're if they're caught up in this or I'm talking to them online? On the other side of the break, we're going to answer that question, speaking about the conscious community, how to reach them with the gospel, with my guest today, Laranji and Quinania. I'm Vocab Malone. See you in a second. This is Vocab Malone, last segment here on Quinania. Fill it in for Tom Brown today. Thanks for letting me do that, Tom. We like to cover some unique topics whenever Tom Brown has me in, and today we're talking about something taken over in some ways our inner cities and young urban intellectuals called the conscious movement. And we've been focusing on a specific aspect of that. That's people who are embracing Egypt and in Africa in a sense as a place to find spiritual wealth and, and a place to find uh, treasures of wisdom and relationship to morals and uh, all types of issues. And sometimes they call themselves commets or sometimes you might hear the word comedic thrown around. And I've been talking to Laron G from St. Louis, and he is going to finish out the show with giving us a few tips about how to reach out and and to people who who might be caught up in this. Laron G, you got the last words, man. What's up? Okay, so so basically, what we need to do is what we're doing right now. Um, vocab is 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 basically, you know, dealing with uh, apologetics and getting the word out. And the and the scripture is clear that we should not go back unto Egypt. And the different spiritual spirituality sense that we see that is dealing with, which we call in the biblical text, the B system. So, you know, as uh, being a part of the B system. So what we need to do is, is really enlighten the people as well as, uh, um, you know, just in these urban early, uh, areas and deal with the apologetics and contest every false ideology as Moses himself contested these false ideology when came, when he was bringing them up out of Egypt just as well. So I think that as, as we rise up more and continue to contest those things, then we can actually uh, uh, make a stance and telling people why there's a necessity to uh, deal with the Bible or deal with the God of the Bible as in regard of dealing with the Afrocentric movement, which takes them away from spirituality that deals with morality and the things that God has instructed people to do on this earth. Amen, brother. Amen. And you know what? I would like people to remember Acts chapter 2, where they're speaking in tongues as they're empowered by the Spirit, those earliest Christians there. And it, it says that they all were speaking the mighty works of God in the tongues of the people gathered there. And guess what? It says, Phiagra, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Christians, Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. All were amazed and perplexed, saying, what does this mean? Let's tell of his works. <laughs> 